When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and this is another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk Podcast. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Chris is not here. We got my man from Ohio, Jimmy Watkins. What up, Jimmy? What's good, Ethan? It is good to be here with a fellow Bobcat. How are you doing, man? Roll Bobby's baby. We're doing great. So today we're going to have a little bit of fun on today's episode. We are preparing for LeBron James's return to Cleveland as the Lakers come to town on Saturday. And I wanted to get your take, Jimmy. Should LeBron get a statue in Cleveland while he's still playing? Man, we're running out of time, right? <laughs> I know we all think LeBron's going to play forever, but Statues take time, and I think that at this point we might as well let the clock run out for for a number of reasons. The first of which being, I mean, LeBron's a unique player who deserves unique circumstances, but it would be (laughs) unprecedented for a team to build a statue of a player who is still playing for another team and like still relevant. You know what I mean? So I think we can wait until LeBron's career is over. But I mean, there's no question that whenever he is done, I mean, the the mayor of Cleveland. Justin Bibb tweeted about this last year when LeBron broke the scoring record that it was time to consider the LeBron statue. So when local politics gets involved, I think that's a sign that the clay is starting to be gathered for the statue. For sure. It seems a little weird to get a statue made while you're still playing, especially when you're on a team that still has to play Cleveland potentially. So we'll have to see. It would be cool, though, for LeBron to pull up to his statue. While he, while he was still playing, right? Like the walk-in video of him checking out the statue and then him going into play. I like that visual. It would be insane. But the next question that I have for you is, does LeBron end up getting a statue in Cleveland, Miami, and Los Angeles? How about getting his jersey retired in all three? What do you think? I'm of the opinion, if you play a primary role in winning a, a championship, for a franchise, I think that's worthy of getting your jersey retired, in my opinion. LeBron has obviously done that in all three of those places. The statue thing is another step, right? LeBron is the greatest athlete that, that the city has ever had, with all due respect to the late Jim Brown. There's no question that he deserves one here. He ended the drought. When LeBron would, when LeBron played in Cleveland, the economy was was better. That guy deserves to be immortalized in this city. With Miami, it's a little tricky because of how it ended there really kind of miffed pat riley on his way out the door and if the heat were going to build a statue of anybody i think they would start with pat riley because he's kind of the guy that started this run of incredible competence it's not like they're they're, you know a dynasty or anything but he embodied pat riley's spirit he is they will tell you i wrote a story about this last year that he is still the living spirit behind everything that they do so when you rub pat riley the wrong way 
I don't know that you get a statue and, and maybe time will heal all wounds. Maybe as a lot of these mini beefs do when players get older, I think time heals some of those wounds and, and makes it easier for, for the Heat and LeBron to come to the table and say, okay, we did something special here. We don't have to focus on the fact that Dwayne Wade's on a plane trying to recruit LeBron back 2014 and, and LeBron kind of knew what was already happening. So Miami's a tough stretch and the Lakers are such a, a storied franchise. You know, there's already a Shaq statue out there. A Kobe statue is coming next. And, and LeBron is going to be in this weird middle ground there where he did win a title there. He's still so, so good, but he's also there at the end of his career and the Lakers have so many other, I just feel like the standard for putting bronze to concrete is a little bit higher there. So I'm not sure it gets done anywhere else other than Cleveland, but he absolutely deserves his jersey retired. I could even see like the Heat have Michael Jordan's jersey retired randomly, as a couple teams do. The, the league decided collectively to retire Bill Russell's jersey after Bill Russell passed. So I could see something like that happening with LeBron down the road. He is that he has been that impactful of a figure in the league. So I'm gonna go off that question before I give my take. Are you expecting the league to retire 23 or six? Well, it's got to be six, right? What? No. Jordan is 23. Like you can't ubiquitously retire. <laughs> two. I think that would make it easier the in the number. league. So what do they do? They put a, a jersey hanging down from the rafter, 23, with Jordan and James on it, or do they do two separate jerseys? Well, I think it's two separate jerseys. Like, you just have the same number retired. I think that would make it easier on the league because you think about it, LeBron embodied number 23, and that was the whole reason that he wore it. You think about why Kobe wore 24. He wanted to be one better than Jordan. So Kobe wanted to be better than Jordan. LeBron wanted to be Jordan. But, I mean, yes, if we're talking about like plausibly thinking about this, more than likely they were going to retire six league-wide because it's a different number. But if they were smart about it, I think they would go with 23 because it's already going to be retired. There's also another element there where LeBron, he's always pursued the ghost of Jordan, right? He's ta- He's been open about talking about that. But he has also kind of wanted, he's, he's wanted to do it in his own distinct way like he he's been very vocal about how he wants to be remembered as a guy who was a team first guy he's not he's always you know pushed back on this label of of him being a scorer and he's a great player for a different reason like LeBron scoring while prolific he's the greatest literally the greatest scorer in the league's history it is almost secondary to his identity as a player he was everything Everywhere, all at once. Great defensive player in his prime. A great rebounder, an elite passer. There's always been like a distinction there between him and Jordan. I, I think he likes that. So I think that's another reason why, at least from his perspective, he might want to go six instead of 23. I get that. And I don't know how much of a say LeBron's going to get in which jersey gets retired by the league. But your point about his impact on the offensive end, defensive end, and passing game leads me to my take on the statues. I think he should get all three when he retires. I think he should get the block in Cleveland. I think he should get the alley-oop between him and D-Wade because we already know that Miami needs to have a D-Wade statue. And I think when he gets to L.A., I think he needs to have his patented 
one foot fadeaway jumper, which is how he passed Kareem. So I think the jersey retirements, like we said, it, it's a done deal. But for the player that has impacted this league for decades, <laughs> just because of how people have expected him to come into the league, and you think somebody who had so much on their shoulders being claimed as the chosen one before even playing a game in the NBA to living out to be one of, if not the NBA's greatest player of all time, I think it it warrants that kind of respect on a national level. And I mean, you win a championship with all three, people consider him to be one of the best Lakers to wear the jersey. I mean, D-Wade is obviously the most patented Miami player, but it's LeBron and Shaq right there next to him. And then obviously he's going to get one in Cleveland. So Jimmy, after all that, I want to discuss who is your GOAT? Let's get into this discussion because it's between Kobe, LeBron, Michael Jordan. Some people say Bill Russell. Some people say Kareem. Let me get your top five. All right, top five off the rip. In some order, LeBron, Jordan, Bill Russell, Kareem, Magic, I think. But Duncan's knocking on the door there. I'm a Duncan over Kobe guy. And to say that as as somebody who grew up living in L.A. Look, Tim Duncan put him on your team you win 50 games every year lock it in he's great he's the anchor of a defense he's the ultimate teammate Kobe was hard to play with sometimes I mean I think again there are dozens of pictures of me as a child wearing a Kobe jersey and he has clearly inspired and when we talk about these greatness conversations he has this hard to calibrate legacy factor and not probably partially because he's passed we all we remember people much more deeply and sometimes fondly when they pass but he had that this Mamba mentality thing that has been passed on through generations of some of these guys who who really were barely alive to watch him play, and it still resonates with them. That has to count for something. But I, I do think that we don't have we don't have to debate number five here. I do think I would take Duncan on my team over twenty years. On the goat discussion, I think I have an interesting one on this. I I mean, like many of my generation, I'm a LeBron guy. But I do think if I had been born twenty years earlier, I'd be a Jordan guy. Just because I think, you know, during the pandemic, when you're watching The Last Dance, you get a real sense of, of what it was like to be in that time and, and to know just the the force of what Jordan was. I think if you live through that, and, and again, he has the same kind of Kobe killer in him that, that LeBron has, but he does not promote it like a wrestling heel the way Jordan and Kobe did. And I think that that they both of them did that to their benefit. We, you know, the old interview clips of them are just striking in a way where LeBron just might be <laughs> more of a normal person and it hurts him in a weird way in, in this discussion. But yeah, I do like there's something that we as the younger generation are missing with the Jordan conversation. Like it's, it's unfair for the generation Xers to just say six and oh, six and oh, like that's, that's a nonsense argument because Jordan lost a bunch of times before the finals. LeBron been, has been there more, more often. And that's in some ways a more impressive accomplishment, but we are also missing like the sense of, of being there and just like having the feeling that you never thought Michael Jordan was going to lose because once he reached a certain point in his career, he didn't. I really think that that that's something that we cannot, properly understand because we weren't there in the moment again you get a you get a dose of it with the last dance but if i lived through you know the 90s and and michael jordan 
running the league for three years, stopping, coming back, running it for three more years, I think I might feel a little differently about this. So I don't think it'd be fair for me to ask you the question and then not get mine. Yeah, I got to hear this. So you say all of that, and I'm going to give you a messed up list because I am biased. All of my life, I have been a Kobe guy. And watching The Last Dance, you learn that Michael Jordan was more irritated by any other player guarding, playing against was Kobe Bryant, even saying in an interview that the only player that he would struggle against one-on-one would be Kobe because he steals on his moves. I think that Kobe Bryant is going to be my GOAT always, no matter the debates, no matter what we're talking about, just because of the legacy that he left on the game, the mentality, the mindset, how much he's impacted the game and the players that are still playing and players like Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum and those are the people that are running the league now a lot of people wanted to be Jordan but Jordan wasn't always available to the players in the league to give mentorship and stuff like that so if I had to go through five I think I'm gonna make a lot of people angry and I'm gonna go with Kobe one LeBron two Jordan three and then Four and five for me is a toss-up between Kareem, Bill Russell, and Shaq. Because when you think about the game and you say Shaquille O'Neal was unquestionably the most feared player in the league and was unguardable because of how he would just destroy the paint. I know Shaq has said in interviews that like he's in his own league, he's in his own category, but I don't think it's fair to say that he's not in that conversation. So I'm going to just say six, because Kareem, obviously his legacy speaks for itself. Bill Russell, again, all the rings, all the opportunities, and just being able to be successful at such a high rate. And then Shaquille O'Neal, the diesel. It's hard to argue with that. I know people are going to be like, where's Tim Duncan? Where's Larry Bird? Sorry to tell you, but... Here's the thing about the, the the Kobe thing. Kobe's a great player. He's a singular force, just like Jordan. And he has inspired the rest generation of players after him. And he's gonna. I think he's going to keep inspiring people. You know, even we're, we're having people come to the league now who or, or will soon that, that were not even alive while he was playing. But it's kind of like a... This is, a rule of, of life that I have is if everyone did what you did, would the world be a better place? It's like, I don't know, people who back into parking spots. Like if everyone did that, would that be better? I don't know. I'm not really sure. The Kobe mentality doesn't work for everybody. So in some ways, it's not a it's not great that there's a, a bunch of kids walking around with the Mamba mentality because the Mamba mentality doesn't work if you're not that level of player. Like the spiritual son of Kobe is Russell Westbrook and mean mugging people for 15 years is cool, but hasn't really worked out for Russ. He's never won a title and he's at a weird point in his career now where he's kind of lost a a bit of a step and still trying to do that stuff and it's weird. Whereas the the spiritual son of Duncan, I think, is, is Steph Curry where it doesn't matter. It's just easier to play with those people. You would want to play with Steph Curry more than you would want to play with Russell Westbrook. And I know that people would say that they want to play with Kobe, but I don't really, I think you get chewed out for the, I don't know, fifth time in practice and he cusses you out and tells you you ain't worth anything. I think people might feel a little bit differently about that. So Kobe's great, one of a kind in NBA history, but there's too many imitators out there. Some of his legacy, I think is great that it's been passed on, but I think we need need to check check ourselves a little bit when we we do the Mamba mentality imitation 
means. I guess it's what form of mama mentality a kid has. Because the way that I've always looked at it is mama mentality is you trying to be the best version of yourself on a daily basis. Like Kobe would get up at 3, 4 in the morning to go get shots up to make sure that he was the best version of himself that night or that series or whatever. He went mute after Jordan told him you you can wear the shoes, but you'll never fill them for two weeks until they played the Bulls again. Like it's just having a mentality that you're going to be better than you were the last time out. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for any kid to have if they're going with that mindset. Obviously, I understand if a kid is going off like, oh, I got to kill everything, go at the basket, yada, 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 from a basketball sense. Like, not everybody is Kobe. You're right. But I think there's levels to it. Like, we, as we learned about Kobe away from basketball and how he coached, like, especially coaching Gigi's team and how they lost to a team the year before, and then they literally said they never wanted to feel that again and came back to work the next season and absolutely destroyed that team. So, yeah, it's just that mindset. But this is supposed to be about LeBron, not I know, Kobe. I know. <laughs> Maybe it gets misconstrued. Maybe it gets misconstrued, right? Like, people take the wrong part, wrong lessons from the mama mentality sometimes. I agree. All right, switching back to LeBron with him coming back to Cleveland on Saturday. Two last questions for you, Jimmy. Has he had three Hall of Fame-worthy careers? Which was the best that he's had? Oh, the best version of LeBron is for sure the... Probably the middle one, I'll say, because I think Miami LeBron is the best version. He was at the peak of his athletic powers. He had overcome whatever big stage demons he was facing during that Ma- that first Mavericks final series in 2011. And he had the robot brain. He had the best of, of all of all three, right? Now he's got super robot brain, but, and, he, and don't get me wrong, he can still throw down tomahawk dunks. It's amazing what that guy can do physically, but he, he's not quite what he was at his peak. And when and during the first segment, that was probably the most athletic he had ever been, but he still had some lessons to learn. So I think it's that middle Miami slash second Cavs act is probably the best one. I think you could definitely argue he's got two. If we're, if we're saying he's got three Hall of Fame level careers, I'd have to know where we cut it off. Then again, the Basketball Hall of Fame is a participation trophy <laughs> and this point. award ceremony. Like everybody gets in. So yeah, he probably if there were three different players that had just LeBron's resume, yeah, they probably all three would get in. Although I do I do think sometimes we can get a little carried away with this ageless wonder. Oh my goodness, he's 38. Like there's you can see the decline. It's still amazing how productive he has been. But he's getting hurt more now. His you look at the replays, his head is not exactly above the rim all the time anymore he's not the same defensive player he once was and it's more of a the greatness comes in spurts now he has to pace himself whereas before i mean he, he was just ruthless he was a machine so i think yeah i think you could argue he's got three different hall of fame careers but they're, they're all distinctly different in their own in their own way and my last question we were just talking about age and how father time rules all but this league has seen three players as of right now that are not defeating Father Time, but they're definitely giving him a run for his money. So I'm going to give you three sets of numbers, and you tell me if you would pick player A, B, or C. Okay, that's fun. First off, 31 points per game, seven rebounds, five assists, 64% TS. Second player, 26 points a game, eight rebounds, Six assists, 67% TS. And then the third one, 
30 points per game, four rebounds, three assists, 67 TS. Are these, these are this year's numbers? These are this year's numbers. I think I know who these guys are. So <laughs> I think it's, I think it is A, Steph, B, LeBron, and C, KD. Um, if we're going off the numbers, you take, you take player B. I know that's LeBron, but I, I don't know. Steph is amazing, man. I think I would take Steph. So actually, player A was Kevin Durant at 35 oh, wow. years old. Player B was LeBron James at 38 years old. And player C was Steph Curry at 35 years old. The KD, that's crazy. These players have been dominating the league for a long time. And everybody is almost in the stage of their lives where they're saying it's a new era in the NBA. I don't think these guys are ready to give up the crown or the reins just yet. The KD true shooting number is unreal because Steph has always been the true shooting king because of how many threes he takes and makes. For KD, I mean, yes, he you know he takes a lot of threes too, but he takes so many quote unquote inefficient shots with his pull up mid range game. It and is amazing how efficient he well, still 65% is. Percent he rounded up. Did you say seven assists for him? I know Book's been out, but that's seven that's rebounds, so, five seven and a half rebounds, assists. five five and a half assists. I mean, that's really impressive. KD doesn't get enough of the beating father time love. I don't think. Particularly because he had the Achilles injury, right? Like, I think KD is one of the best scorers in the league of all time. No like, doubt. Pure scorers. It's hard he to guard somebody best. that's seven feet tall and can hit a fadeaway anywhere he wants. Like, You think about Michael Porter Jr. is talking about, I don't swing the rock because I don't see defenders in my face. KD would be a menace if he had that mindset. <laughs> that's give and take with the mindset thing. But I continue to be floored by... All three of these guys, and I and I, I do wonder like who rises up and and becomes the face of the league once they leave. The the league has been so fortunate to have these guys to to sort of you know be carry the message, be the ambassadors for so long. I mean, we got Anthony Edwards is having a great year. I mean, he's think he's still twenty two, and is he? Are we ready to put him in the same breath as those guys yet? Is it's a fascinating dynamic for the league. Ooh, They're so lucky Anthony to have Edwards? guys like this. That's not who I thought you were going to say. That's just the, a name that came to my head. But just those three guys have done so much for the league for so long, which is a good thing, but also could be like, like come almost like a problem because once you get used to having them around so long, there might be a void created when they leave. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think people have appreciated how good they've been for so long, especially LeBron, because I feel like Steph gets a lot of love, but... Everybody hates on LeBron a lot just because he's been adamant on wanting to be the greatest player of all time. He's also corny. Yeah, he's corny sometimes. That. He's also cheap as hell. Sometimes the hate is warranted. <laughs> I remember back when I was in school and I was following the Cavs beat with Chris Fedor, who we all know and love as the beat reporter, tweeted out about during the finals how LeBron was playing Pandora from his speaker. And there was commercials on it because one of the richest players in the league didn't want to not pay for commercials. That was hilarious to me. He actually just said, I think last week, that he's excited to win the in-season tournament money so he can buy Spotify Premium. $500,000, folks, for some Spotify Premium. That's just some pocket change, you know. You know for LeBron, just some pocket change. Well, this was fun, Jimmy. 
I appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to my man, Jonathan Simmons, about the G League. So before we do that, you go ahead and subscribe to Subtext, which is a way to become a Cavs insider with insight from myself and Chris that won't be on your everyday social media platforms. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy. But we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from me and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. We'll be right back. We are back, and welcome in my man, Jonathan Simmons. What up, Jonathan? Hey, Ethan. How's it going? Going well, going well. How's it going for the charge? Let me know. Chargers sitting at 3-2 right now. They currently are on a, a three games into a four-game road trip. They lost the first one in Sioux Falls, had a lead there, but, you know, squandered it in the third quarter, and then, you know, just couldn't get back into it. And then they beat the Windy City Bulls, Hoffman Estates, Illinois, by three points, 104-101 in the first game of uh, back-to-backs. But then they couldn't find a basket in the second one. They got held to 74, 75 points on a loss. So, yeah, they're sitting at 3-2 and two right now. But, you know, they'll be back in action on Black Friday, actually, against the Murder City Crews. Hopefully the baskets are half price off, too. Yeah, hey. It would be. Nice. <laughs> it would be. I want to get your too early prediction. We did this with the Cavs earlier in the season. Five games in. I want to know, how far do you predict this charge team to go into the playoffs? Way too early prediction, definitely. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, I definitely think they can make a run. How far they could go, I could see them definitely contending, you know, with some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference. Maybe maybe not all the way to the uh, conference final, maybe. I, I don't know. But, it, you know, it really depends because there is so much turnover in the G League. So it's like what the team looks like right now. And, you know, if Isaiah Mobley isn't playing, then, you know, it might be. He's been far and away the best player on the team. So, you know, if he's not in and he's, you know, getting some minutes with the Cavs, you know, it might be harder for, for you know, baskets might be even harder to come by. So Speaking of Isaiah, I wanted to do a little bit of a comparison because his brother, Evan Mobley, is in the NBA with the Cavs. One, that's just a wild dynamic to think about that you can be playing inside your brother. But second of all, how similar are the games of Isaiah and Evan? You've gotten to see both of them play a little bit. What do you think about their game styles yeah i definitely think that they have some similarities i think for the most part those come just with the intangibles that they offer you know just being able to rebound well you know being versatile on defense evan is, is you know six eleven seven feet obviously but isaiah is playing center at six eight and he's you know averaging 10 rebounds a game and I think stuff like that, you know, being able to just call out, you know, just be an anchor defensively and, and being able to switch and guard perimeter players is something that both of them have. You know, Isaiah, because he's in the G League, you know, he's you know he's the best player on the team. So he's he's just seeing the ball more. He's not playing with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. So he's, you know, he commands more shots and he commands more attention. But, you know, he's really a focal point of the offense for them. Whereas I feel like Evan is... At most, he's going to get, you know, 10 to 12 shots a game, but he's not he's not going to shoot 20 times, you know what I mean, or anything like that. So, yeah, I think they definitely have a lot of similarities in their games. So. 
percentage-wise, I would have to think that Isaiah does one thing better than his brother Evan, and that's shooting the rock. Evan doesn't take three-point shots. Isaiah does, and that also comes with being 6'8 versus being 7 feet. So is there any other part of Isaiah's game that you think he does better than Evan or is basically the same as Evan? I would say that Isaiah definitely is a better shooter than Evan. And, you know, those opportunities come more frequently. You know, he, he'll walk into a trail three every now and then, or they'll swing it to him and he'll step back and shoot it over somebody. That, you know, comes with, I think, being, you know, a focal point of the offense is that he has the liberty to do that. Whereas, you know, if, if Evan Mobley is taking step back threes, then then Cavs fans are going to start scratching their heads, I think. I, I think they'll be doing more than just scratching their head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, you know, I, I definitely think Isaiah is the better shooter. And, you know, it comes with being 6'8 and having that, you know, skill set. He's comfortable putting the ball on the ground and, and going to the basket and blowing vibe. You know, you can mix it up. He has options is, is basically what I'm trying to say. So I think probably just has more liberty to do things with the ball than, than Evan does. I think that's the I think the opportunity is a significant factor there for sure. I think my next question has to be is how good does this charge lineup look if the players that are on two-way contracts and Isaiah Mobley, Craig Porter Jr., and Imani Bates all come down to play with the G League after their restriction is up? I think the charge would be very scary. Craig Porter Jr. looks great playing in the NBA. He's He's been offering some great minutes off the Cavs bench. So I think, you know, with, with everybody in the lineup, him, Isaiah, Imani, you know, Imani is... is Every, everybody does about Imani. Yeah, I think the stars would be super scary. I think you throw a lineup together of Sharif at the one, Craig Porter Jr. at the two, or you can switch those two, Isaiah Mobley at the five, Imani Bates at the four, and throw somebody in there at the three that can shoot it. <laughs> I think that's very close to what the Cavs have in Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Strews, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. Except, obviously, they don't have the larger center like Jared Allen on the charge team. But who would you plug in as that three spot for the charge? They got a couple of different guys. I know Aleem Ford has been, you know, he's been a solid forward for them. I'm pretty sure he started a couple of games. I don't know that he's started every game. But he's been he's been a, a great, you know, asset. Zaire Smith, who was a part of that, he actually was a part of the trade that sent Mikhail Bridges to Phoenix on draft night. He's been a great addition for them. He's a couple of games. He's not led the team in scoring, but he's been he's been you know up there with you know I know there was a game where him and Pete Nance both had 19 apiece. So yeah, I think I think they got a couple of guys who you know definitely can fill into that spot and you know even come off the bench and and give them some great run that you know guys who are who are starting now without them in the lineup who would easily you know be able to do some damages on the second unit. I think that's a testament to how the Cavs have worked their farm system. I mean, you have both the G League team and the NBA team. I think they have the most depth that they've ever had. And we were talking about LeBron James earlier, but since LeBron has been on this team, they've definitely had the most depth on the G League and in the NBA. Because you think about how how many players are injured in the NBA right now with Donovan Mitchell and Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro. All those guys come back. The minutes change. The team looks different. And I think that's reminiscent of how the G League team, the charge, will look when Craig Porter Jr., Isaiah Mobley, and Imani Bates all come down, or unless somebody gets a, a full roster spot, which is also a possibility. 
But Jonathan, thank you for joining me. That will wrap up this episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Subscribe to Subtext, which is a way to become a Cavs insider with insight from myself and Chris that won't be on your everyday social media platforms. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy. But we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from me and Chris. This isn't just our podcast, it's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. And with all that, we out. Y'all stay safe now.